For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Believe in Vikings with BMAC and Baker. I'm your host, Dustin Baker, here with Brian McKinney, Sal Spice, and Ron Saw. We are the crew with Believe in Vikings, and what we're doing tonight is previewing the Cowboys game. We chatted Monday about the Bills' topsy-turvy triumph, so now we get it, want to get into Week 11, where the Vikings have a chance to go 9-1. and one. They have not beaten the Cowboys at home since 2010. So there's a lot at stake there. Get exercise some demons, and the Cowboys are quasi-desperate to keep pace in the NFC East. So we'll jump into a Vikings-Cowboys preview momentarily. Foremost, bet online. Basketball is back, and bet online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at bet online. And as your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, bet online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAVBELIEVE to receive your rewards. Bet online. Where the game starts on Monday night, we went through the crazy win over the Bills, and now we're going to preview the Cowboys matchup. Who knows if that'll be another crazy suspense roller coaster thriller? Probably that's how we do things. <laughs> but the Vikings are eight and one, the Cowboys are six and three. The Cowboys need to win to stay pace in a suddenly competitive NFC East division. So, we're going to walk through some of the items that are afoot for us. The first one, Ron, I'm going to ask you about is this damn injury report. Uh, out of the bat, we already know there's no Lewis scene, there's no Irv Smith, there's no Cameron Dantzler. On this Wednesday's injury report, we have either not practiced or limited Christian Derisaw, Caleb Evans, Justin Jefferson, Zadarius Smith, and Dalvin Tomlinson, which should make you go, yuck. What do you think, Ron? Do you think almost all those dudes play, or what's the story? Well, the Tomlinson one, I'm not sure about, because I know he's missed the last couple games as it is. <clears throat> the other ones, you know, from what I've heard, Derisaw, um, you know, it's a he's in the concussion protocol, but he... He was ready to get back out there on Sunday. So assuming the baseline part checks out, I'm sure he'll be good to go. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, the other ones, you know, I don't even know what some of those other injuries are. Like, obviously, a Caleb Evans, I know he missed some time. Um, but you know what? At this point, <clears throat> we've had a relatively clean slate when it comes to health most of the season. So at this point in the year, I'm sure Brian can attest, no one's 100% healthy. So some of these I'm hoping are just, uh, you know, maintenance days and they're on the list just because they have to. So we'll see what happens, but I don't see there's any doubt in Jefferson not playing or 
um, you know, Dal or you know, Dalvin Cook, um, like those those guys, they seem to tough it out every week, anyways. So we'll see what happens, but uh, we'll probably know more within the next couple of days. Sally, the concussion protocol men are indeed Darisaw and Caleb Evans, the uh, rookie of Caleb, Caleb Evans. And then for the veterans, Justin Jefferson, it's a toe. Zadarius Smith is a knee. And Dalvin Tomlinson is a calf. Do those give you any any pause or do you think those will be good to go? Well, you certainly don't want the injury report to be that long, um, mm-hmm. especially because they haven't, knock on wood, been uh, bit by the injury bug yet this season. And so they've been very fortunate to have that. I'm not too worried about any of the ones that you just listed. Um, obviously, we don't know how severe their concussions are, but typically I think guys come back in about the amount of time that it will be. And I, yeah, like like Ron said, we don't know the severity of these things, but I would assume that these guys are going to do any, everything they can be to be ready to go. So I'm not super concerned, no. Do we know what's up with Dantzler yet, though? No, he's on. He won't be back until eligible until the Lions game. He's on IR. Yeah, yeah. He's on okay. IR with that. He had a, he had a miserable like three seconds. Uh, he got that cheap ass penalty, and then he got like rolled up, mm-hmm. high ankle sprain. And I I swear to God, in basketball, football, wherever, anytime you hear a high ankle sprain, you might as well just say, "All right, that dude's gonna be gone for a long time." That's just the way it works. Right. You ever had one of those, B Mac? High ankle sprain. Remember, I told you my ankle was broke, and I didn't know it. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I that story. I don't know if I've heard that. Um, while like a while later after I got out of the league, I remember. Remember, I told you I had to spend the night in the training room. Oh yeah, uh, with a real bad ankle um injury that they told me was a sprain, and then like later on when I got evaluated, um, the doctor was pressing on the area, and he was like, "Yeah, you. Uh, when did you break your ankle?" And I was like, "I never broke my ankle." And then he's like, "Yes, you did, right here." And he's and crazy thing is, I could still feel like where he was pressing. He like there was a break here before, and I'm like, and automatically I just flashed back to that's what was wrong with it when I was in the training room. I had to stay the night. Um, uh, way how back much in the day. time passed between that? It was years that passed between from oh. when that happened to you know uh, him being able to realize I had broke my ankle at one point, but I know exactly when it was because I remember how bad my ankle looked and like you know like the blood you know you know, look on up your leg and stuff like that, you know, inside, like the, the, the scarring or whatever. Um, and then the fact that I remember it took me a while to come back from that ankle injury um, from just, you know, trying to recover from it. But I, I do remember specifically that was the only time me ever injured my ankle and I have to, you know, basically stay the night in the training room. Like I got to go home, eat dinner, and I had to report back like around 9 or 10 o'clock. And every hour a trainer had to stay with me for that whole week. And um, I had to do treatment every hour. And I didn't practice that week. And then um, I, we just taped it up really good. And I played in the game. And it wasn't my best game because I was trying to act like I wasn't injured. And I feel like after a while, somebody realized that, does he have an issue with his ankle? Like, you know, his, like his right, you know, foot or something. And, yeah, but, How? yeah, but. When did that happen in the season? Like, how far into it were you? I was mid. It was somewhere like mid season or towards the end. Oh, okay. Um, when it happened, and then I just probably feel like it took me like another like four, five weeks for it to like really like <laughs> get back to you know. But yeah, I did it. <laughs> how? I where? Better where I, was, you... I thought it was a sprain. Those are the best sprain. 
where do you sleep in the training room and are you being woken up every hour? Um, well, I'm not like they're not here. He doesn't really physically have to wake me up, but it's just, like you can feel the machine go on. So I'm I was attached to like a machine that was keep. I had to keep my leg elevated. So basically you laying on the track, like the bed where they, you know, the table where they like, you know, do treatment. I just had to lay there. So basically it's like you just lying flat on your back for the most part. And then your foot is elevated. And then he just had to press the button for the machine to go on. Um every hour or so. So every time I wake up, you just feel like the ice, you'll feel whatever. But um, yeah. And then it was just like, I just didn't practice that week. You know, I just kind of like limped around and sat in meetings and was there for the game plan and everything. And then, you know, just did I, now I look back at it. I was like, I guess, yeah, I guess like, I don't know, but yeah, I did. <laughs> I got a question, Brian. So you'll, uh, we either hear the stories or watch the documentaries about players in your era and before maybe even now that would take all sorts of, you know, pain shots or pain pills just to play. Did you ever personally do that or any of your teammates ever? I did it. Um, well, I know a lot of guys did it. It was um, a tort off shot. I did it the, the, the game. I took a tort off once or maybe twice. I know for sure I took it when we played New Orleans because that season I had um, got playing a fasciitis and I got it in one foot and I ended up having it in both feet. So my feet was killing me that season. And um, I took it for that game. Like, this, this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Okay. It's an NFC championship. I'm going to just take it and see, you know, how it does. Because my thing is I never wanted to take those things because everybody's talking about how, like, you don't feel anything. So I didn't want to make my injury worse. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I have a high pain tolerance. So I would just play just through it just so I can know where I'm at um, and not injure it even, you know, even more because, of, like, a lot of people say you didn't feel it. Mm-hmm. Until come like Tuesday, you know what I'm saying? And I didn't need it to be worse. So I always just played. I didn't play with, you know, taking it. But I know for sure um, when we played in New Orleans, I took it. Okay. And then is was that a thing where you're like, holy shit, this, this shit works? Or was it? It did work. <laughs> That's my feet, you know. Um, at that point, we definitely, uh, you know, killing me. It did work. And I, I, I did, you know, it's just, either way, I just felt like, I still would have time. Like, if we'd have won that game, I would have had time because then I think the, the Pro Bowl was in between that or something like that. It wasn't like yeah. the right away. Sure. Or we would go home. So either way, I said, well, it's the time where I'm going to take it because um, we're this close. So I want to be able to play, you know, at a high level and not, you know, think about, you know, bottom of my feet hurting. Okay. Sally, I wanted to ask you this um, as you as you continue your journey into the queen of enthusiasm about the Vikings under Kevin O'Connell. Are you one that really needs to or wants to see a blowout win at some point to think that this is the real deal? Or are you past all that? You know, um, now that you mention it, I, I've, I, of course, would like that. I think mm-hmm. that would be um could that would be more convincing i mean not necessarily even for myself but i think for other people and i think we're all probably getting a little sick about the narrative (laughs) that's going around which we can talk about more in a little bit i i would love to see it at least once or twice this season i mean we got total domination i think we would all agree in the packer game and now that you mention it this might be kind of my fault because i remember sitting there and being like you know it's always great to blow out the packers but i'd like a little more action this is a little boring (laughs) now that i yeah um i guess be careful what you wish for right so yeah it would be amazing if they could blow out the cowboys especially with the struggles that they've had with them 
the past, I don't know, you mentioned they've never won, uh, they've never beat the pack, uh, excuse me, beat the Cowboys in U.S. Bank Stadium. And those have all been brutal games to watch. So, so I would love for it to happen. And this would be a great game for it to happen since we really don't care for those guys too much. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah, it would be nice. It would be nice. But to me, like we've said this whole season, good teams find a way to win. And that's all that really matters at the end of the day to me. The last time the Vikings beat the Cowboys at home, Bryant McKinney was on the field. It was week six of 2010. It was Moss's first home game back. And yeah, they, they the first game was against the Jets. That was on the road with Moss. And that was week five. And then, uh, yeah, he showed up and I think they won by three. Over the Cowboys. Wait, okay, I, the I'm playoffs. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was thinking about the playoffs. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, there was that one as well. Mm-hmm. But that was the year before. <laughs> yeah, the season that was before. in the yeah. Well, it's thirty four right. to three or something, wasn't it? Like yeah. Like the, mm-hmm. the, yeah, I remember right. they, um, uh, that game challenged kind of me and Phil Lowe because they had two good defensive ends, um, Demarcus Weir and I'm I can't remember who the other one was. Um, it, it's going to hit me. Um, and I knew that was just a challenge for us. And they felt like, okay, we roasted the challenge. But I knew they had like Marcus Spears and like all those other guys. So they had a good mm-hmm. defensive line. Um, but I remember that specifically though, because uh, I had so, a challenge. My challenge with the Marcus Weir that game. It's funny because I remember that game and obviously like the ass whooping we put on him. I know Ray Edwards, I remember had a big game. Um, our D line obviously was dominant. Uh, but I remember Keith Brooking, I think it was. Yeah, Keith Brooking was their linebacker that got pissed off at the end of the game. Like, and I don't know if he was taking cheap shots, but he definitely wasn't happy with the score being run up. Now, obviously, being on that side of it, and it's like, well, stop us if you have a problem with it. Like, we still got games to play. You guys can go home, whatever. But as a player in a situation like that, when the game's decided, and, like, obviously, there's that one, there's that sense of pride, like, you know, but then also, you guys are professional athletes, so if you don't like what we're doing, stop it. Have you ever been in a situation like that? You know, again, college is different because not everyone's a pro, but in the NFL, it's like, I don't get why people have, like again. What are we going to do? Just put on the or knee it down three times and punt it? And um, not in the NFL, but actually in college, I have because um, I remember my senior year we played University of Washington and they beat us my junior year and they they that's the team the only team that beat us my junior year and it was by five points. We came back at the end and, and just didn't have enough time. And then when they played, when they came to Miami, played us. I think we scored like sixty something points on them to like to <laughs> seven, and they just said it was like unsportsmanlike, you know. Um, on our behalf for running the score up and things like that. But when we came out in the fourth quarter, you still had guys like Willis McGahee and Roscoe Parrish and those guys, who Frank Gore, who still won the score. So it wasn't really the first team anymore, but they just felt like we were just... That, that was too different much. too, though, because the way that the BCS worked, like you weren't guaranteed a spot in the championship or in that you know matchup because like the, I know points differential was a big part of that calculation. Right. So back then... You know, like teams would run up the score. Like I remember Auburn in 04 got screwed because, um, you know, like they were undefeated, but they didn't have a chance because um, it was Texas USC, I believe. Yeah, but far as pros, uh, I don't ever recall like uh, it being that bad where like a player was, you know, just super mad because we ran up the score. Brian, so that I was think, probably the only one. I think it was uh, Demarcus Ware and Anthony Spencer. I think those, okay, were, those were the two that you're probably talking Purdue about. Kid, yeah. Yep. I think you're going to, I know the answer to this, Bryant, about 
Vikings, hopefully beating a team convincingly. If you were still playing right now and you were on a team that was winning every week by less than eight points, would you look around and say, we need to start beating some of these guys' asses? Or would you say over and over, doesn't matter, win's a win? I would like a game, or, you know, <laughs> at least two or three games throughout this season to be something like we just went out there and just really just like, you know, put together a complete game and really just kill somebody, just be somebody. But um, I don't know, because I feel like I've always had, we've always had a couple games where it was like, okay, you can tell we're going to win this game, especially like Detroit. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, yeah, I I would like to see that just so, you know, especially the whole game. So you're not, you're not gonna, a, a nail biter the whole game too. Like sometimes you can relax a little bit and actually enjoy the game and know like yeah. you feel confident winning too. Yeah, because that's nerve wracking. Like going down to the you know the final wire of like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? But <laughs> then when it goes your way, you're definitely happy. But give me nerve wracking. <laughs> Mentally, yeah. Ron, I don't think it will happen this game. I, I think I have twenty seven twenty uh, Vikings. But for me, the the reason I'd like to see a relaxing win is because that's usually what Super Bowl winners do. When you look back in hindsight at the numbers, they have convincing victory not every game is a barn burner now if this is all we can get i'll take it but just to adhere to history the law of averages it would be nice to beat a team 31 14 or something uh do you need to see that for a litmus test ron so i would like to see it at some point against a quality team because i want to see that we're capable of that like i want to see the Kirk Cousins stats from last year with the freedom and recklessness a little bit that he's playing with this year. Like just, I want to see that come together because we have the talent. Um, But now again, it looks like there's that freedom of like, Hey, if you make a mistake, it's okay, but we're going to find a way to get 18 the ball. We're going to, you know, put it in the hands of our best players to make, let them make plays. Now on the flip side of that, um, like I've always been a big believer. Again, I've never played, any sport at a high level but i feel like these tight games and finding a way to win like i think you learn a lot more from those just like you learn more in a close game than you do or i mean you learn more in a close game than you do in getting your ass kicked but um it's probably easier to move on from from the the blowout but like this team is becoming battle tested in a very significant way because i'm sorry i've seen a clip um you know, the guys on the sideline before the fumble mm-hmm. and they were still on the sideline like, oh, we're still got a chance. Yeah. So it was like they didn't they didn't have that mindset like they might have had a couple years ago. Like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> they were like still like up and ready to fight. Like, no, we still can do this. We still got a chance, which, um, you know, anybody would want to see. So I like seeing that. I don't know. They had like a soundbite that um, they posted either on the NFL or the Vikings page that showed that, which is a good thing, because that means the morale is there and everybody is really believing that they can win. And the belief, like that's the, you know, shout out Believe Network, but the belief is there from the guys. Like, And it's the leadership on that defense, like Patrick Peterson, um, Harrison Phillips, like, you know, Harrison Smith, obviously. These guys, they're staying in each other's ear. Um, you know, and there was a, a moment when we were after the Dalvin touchdown when, you know, I think it was Zedaria. He's like, all right, let's get back to it. Like, they, so they don't lose that confidence. But then what that's doing, it's bringing, it's again, no one individual is bigger than the team. They're playing as a unit. And then the offense comes out and does their job. And then the defense comes back out. And, you know, Patrick Peters makes the pick. He makes the game saving interception. So, again, when I say they're battle tested, it's like, again, with your Ravens team, you guys, 
got hot and beat, you know, Hall of Fame quarterbacks, like the best, some of the best to ever play on in route to a Super Bowl. So why can't it happen if you, if you become battle tested through a season that, uh, you know, you get hot at the right moment and put it all together and again, play for the guy next to you and go from there. Let's see. Uh, Sally, the last thing I want to talk about is the the way that the national viewpoint has been more impressed with the Packers hitting four and six than the Vikings beating the Bills. It's been more of a talker that the Packers are allegedly back. They play tomorrow night against the Titans. Uh, what do you expect from Titans Packers? Well, I haven't watched a ton of Titans football this year, <laughs> admittedly, but I know that they um, are are doing pretty well. And obviously last year they made the playoffs. They, they did good last year. So I do think that will be a good test for them. And on a short week, I don't think I don't have as much faith. Well, listen, we don't have faith in Aaron Rodgers period as much as we used to, but on a short week, especially. So I, it will be fun to watch, I guess, hopefully, hopefully. Um, speaking of the narrative, since you just brought it up, I feel like early on in the first day or two, it was not that the Vikings beat the bills. It was the bills self-destructing and Josh Allen (laughs) and Josh Allen making mistakes. Right. Which is fine. However, since then it has changed into just excuse after excuse to not acknowledge that they beat that team outright. I saw, um, Mina, who I usually respect on ESPN, saying that um, Dalvin Tomlinson and Cam Dantzler, those injuries don't compare to what Buffalo <laughs> was dealing with. So it wasn't, you know, a legitimate win she was insinuating. I I don't really care about the national media so much. I like it, them flying under the radar. But can you imagine if Kirk Cousins had the game that Josh Allen did what the narrative would be, he would be completely getting roasted. That clip, those clips would be playing over and over and over and over. And I just don't understand. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The disrespect, I just, I really just don't. Um, I think, I think they, um, I think everybody projected Buffalo to do a lot better than what they're doing this season, and I think that's where, I think their focal point was, it was going towards was Buffalo and they're now kind of giving them excuses of why they're not the team that everybody had them up to be. And Minnesota had low keeping under the flying under the radar, but right now it's for the best record in the league and nobody's seen this coming based off of, I guess, like last season's performance. And um, so now it's like, you have to kind of acknowledge it, but they're still like saying like the Ravens or like the, you know, Buffalo are still up there. Like it's like teams that have been beaten, but, they're just not really giving Minnesota is just due. Minnesota's still right. I see on some of the power rings like number three and not even number two. You know, they're like on they have, seven on some of them still. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's and, the, and I think 
You know, Brian, to your point, like because the Bills, I think at least going into the game on Sunday, they were still a Super Bowl favorite. So they it's still like, are yeah, by Vegas. Are, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So pe- they're making excuses for it, like where and it, it's it's not like they're saying that Josh Allen was hurt and he didn't look like Josh Allen because he looked every bit of Josh Allen that there is, um, including the flaws of you know the, some of the poor decisions, poor throws that he's capable. Of. Like he leads the league in they interceptions. Yeah, no, they're not going to talk about that. And he throws a red zone interception after red zone interception. So as great as he is, he still has that gunslinger in him, which it's one of the reasons why he's so great. Uh, but yeah, like the everything with like the one that I thought was hilarious, and I'm just going to read it because it's from Chris Sims. So like you get these guys who are obviously um, like they're usually good at what they do, but okay, the Vikings earned that win over the Bills, but I'm still shocked they did it. Watching the All-22, if you had taken out the scoring plays, I would have thought the Buffalo won by 20. What the hell does that even mean? Like, the scoring plays, you mean you mean the significant plays that matter? Like, because <laughs> if, then if you eliminate that, then every every drive of the Vikings ends in a punt or missed, or missed field goal or an interception or something. So, like, how do you even get to that? Like, just just give them credit where credit's due. Like, and we can criticize them. Kirk had they, the, he sailed KJ over the middle, and then he threw that terrible pass to the flat. No one will. Only Joe Spinoza, whatever his name is, will will blame someone else on that. But they like they like bad throws. He was bad. But then he brought them back from 17 points with, you know, two minutes left in the third quarter to win the game, like, or to help in winning the game. So um, it's okay to point out flaws and weaknesses in the team, but you can't deny what they're doing. And even the Monday night uh, memes were the best because it's like, well, remember when the Vikings like let what or barely got by the, the commanders in a last second or whatever game winning field goal Well, they were beating the Eagles. So again, like I like the fact that they're flying under the radar because you know, like all those years of 98 Vikings and you know, the Oh nine team Bryant, where it's like this team just can't lose. You can't see it. Now it's like they're underdogs at home against a team that just blew a 14 point lead like that baffles me. Um, but Yeah, I mean, I understand that the Bills story is a big deal, that they're underperforming and that um, Josh Allen has thrown several red zone picks, not just these this past week. However, I think that it's okay to tell that story while not bashing the Vikings, like being so negative about them. That's the that's what I don't understand is this. It seems like almost every pundit gets up there and just says, oh, they're not for real. Oh, they shouldn't have won. It's like it's insult, like insulting. It's not just. The, I, I don't understand it at all. I mean, even Kyle Brandt, who normally is a Kirk Cousins guy, was trashing them today. I just I don't get it. And the narratives that they're coming out with, like it's like again, like like you said with Kirk, it's if Kirk's making mistakes, they everyone's going to criticize him and roast him. Um, so I'm sure Dustin feels the same sentiment that I have that you're coming around and you're like or in into the sense that looking at it very objectively, not that you haven't, but that his play is able to like that people are able to see it as it is what it is. But the Emmanuel Acho when he came out and his argument was like because they weren't scared of Demarco Murray and. 14 like they're not scared of Kirk like what what where's the pair they're not even making sense with their arguments anymore it's not uh like it I do not understand where they're coming from but then the same thing what I found funny is 
if you guys watched any of the pregame on Sunday before the Buccaneers Seahawks game, like the question surrounding them was like, or that they were asking was, are this, this C is this Seahawks team for real? Well, they're six and three and are they for real? But Oh, the Vikings are seven, one and they're frauds. Like that's exactly what has been. And I just, I don't understand it on, uh, on Josh Allen. I, I think, I think I know what it is for, for him is that, when Patrick Mahomes got so good so fast, he got that LeBron-itis with the media that we just got used to it. And he's going to do what he does all the time, and therefore, you know, it gets kind of boring, him being that good. And so I think when Josh Allen started to nibble at Mahomes' supremacy, there was this neurotic obsession to compare them as equals. And he's flat out not as good and not as smooth as Patrick Mahomes, and he never has been. He might get there. But there's a reason the Chiefs keep beating them in the playoffs. That's because Mahomes is a superior quarterback and the best in the world. So I think when when the weird stuff happens with Allen, there's a lot of people that don't want to come out and say that their takes about him being, you know, right there with Mahomes. He's just not quite there yet. I don't think anybody is. That's what I got. Anyhow, uh, I got for Vikings Cowboys 27 20. Sally, do you have a prediction or a score? Um, I think that they will win, but I think it's probably going to be one of those that goes down to the last <laughs> drive again, unfortunately, uh, as much as I don't want it to. I got to suspect that uh, Greg will miss an extra point, so it can't be <laughs> it can't be a pretty number. Um, how about 26-24? I'll go with. All right, uh, Ron, every game is first quarter score and decent first quarter, second, third quarter, quarter lullaby. And then fourth quarter, Kingley. Uh, what say you, Vikings, Cowboys, Ron? Um, I, I have the Vikings winning um, probably something like a 24 to 20 type game because I think it is going to be, I mean, it, it's not just going to be a aired out, like both teams just putting up a bunch of points. Cowboys do have a very good defense. And the Darisaw question mark will be huge because if he can't go and, you know, Brandell did a good job of coming in um, minus the false start. But Micah Parsons is a monster over on the other side. Um, <clears throat> so you got to worry about that. Um, but otherwise, their offense, like, I mean, their offense has its flaws. Like with um, Tyron Smith um, not being able to play, I know their rookie Tyler Smith has stepped in and played pretty well, but they're not the same offensive line that they were a few years ago when they were arguably the best unit in the league. Um, you know, Dak is, I mean, he's Dak. He's he's good, but he's is he great? No, um, in my mind. Um, he's going to make his mistakes. Um, and outside of CeeDee Lamb, their pass catchers aren't all that great. So um, I try. Trust Patrick Peterson the way he's playing to lock down that um, that left cornerback spot. Um, they're probably going to move CD around, but um, you know we had guys like Duke Shelley and you know play well. So <laughs> let's let we're at home. Um, I mean that's the biggest thing. We're coming off that emotional win and now coming back home. So not comparing it to the miracle year, but we had an emotional walk off win and then we travel. So. Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be at least, and again, this team just, it's so different, like the energy with everything. So um, the three o'clock game doesn't scare me, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully we come out and hopefully we blow them out, but I, I see it being a cl another close game, one score <laughs> game, but mm -hmm. I think we're going to come out ahead. And as it stands now, we're not playing Andy Dalton or Cooper Rush, so that can only mean if, good things. If it was Cooper Rush, I would be a little more concerned, <laughs> to be honest with you. I, Dak isn't impressing me at all. I mean, he already has, what, four picks? Um, and they gave up 200 rushing yards to Green Bay yeah, last so I got week. a question. 
Do you feel like um? So everybody feel like Kurt is playing better this season. Who? Kurt. Kurt. Yeah. Kurt. Kurt. So do you, so do you feel like it was the the head coach or the coaching that was around him that was kind of limiting him? Yeah. Oh I, no, I think he played better last year. But it, I I think statistically he played better last no, year. No, I, I think, think he flat out did. No, right. But I think stylistically, like that freeness that he has, like where he's not afraid to make a mistake and it's showing because he can clearly make every single throw and there are throws that he's making that we haven't seen in the previous four years here where like that double covered throw to Jefferson where he's like, I'm just throwing it to the pylon and trusting my guy. Like last year, if a guy wasn't open, he wasn't. He, he wasn't throwing it. So, yes, like he was putting up monster numbers, you know, 70% completion, a lot of touchdowns, to not a lot of interceptions and a lot of yards. But I think this year is more conducive to – like it's like, again, Brett Favre. He led the he, NFL leader in <laughs> interceptions for his career, but no one's ever going to deny his ability because he's just like, F it. Someone's down there. So so what do you think is the difference between last year and this year? I, I think, think it's it is the, I think it's the relationship that. between yep. Cousins and O'Connell because a he was a quarterback, b he's a nicer human, and b he's an offense first head coach. I just think it is a modern supportive culture of a quarterback who's pretty damn good, and I think he's extracting some of that recklessness in a good way from him. You know what I'm finally seeing. I'm sorry. What I'm finally seeing now too is some of these. Um, uh, sites is that Cousins is in the top 10 at quarterbacks mm-hmm. now. <laughs> yeah. you remember before it's, he was always like 14, 15, but yeah. now he's like seven. <laughs> and I think it is because he it, he's playing with that carefree attitude. And again, there's like I know I I think I've said it in the past, but like, you give Kirk time, and he's one of the better throwers of the football. Like it, take any quarterback out there, and he's in that top tier of throwers mm. on the football. He has his other faults to him, but even that he's his pocket presence has gotten better. He's moving more like, you know, he's, he's putting things together, but I think a lot of that is just, and it's nothing against Zimmer. Zimmer's a defensive guy who would want every single game to be three, nothing. It's nothing against Zimmer, but Zimmer hate. There were two things he hated guys who like were constantly hurt. Like you can't make the club in the tub, that type of thing. And turnovers. Like if you make a turnover, that's the worst possible thing ever. Now it's, you miss a turnover, you miss a kick. It's not the end of the world because it's a team game. So it's almost like the Daniel Carlson effect from a few years ago where, I mean, he cost us that game in Green in Green Bay. But, um, you know, this this regime, I feel like, would have let him work through that. And there's a learning curve to it. Well, I mean, yeah, to go off what you guys said, completely agree. I mean, when you have a boss, obviously we're not even athletes, but when you have a boss that believes in you, I mean, Bryant, you know what a big difference that makes rather mm-hmm. than a guy who pretty much publicly has said that he didn't want you on the team, period, from the get-go. I mean, when Kirk joined the team, he said publicly that he didn't agree with it, and he's pretty much never said otherwise. So I think that, and like you've talked about, Bryant, that when you're having fun with your teammates, it kind of just changes the mood of everything. And I feel like in years past, if he will make a mistake and throw an interception, it seems like he's in his head and it's harder for Mm -hmm. him to brush that off. And then it can kind of be a snowball effect of mistakes that he makes. Whereas now it seems like he comes out, it's a new set of downs and everything is in the past that just happened because I think he knows that his teammates believe in him and so does his coach. That was right. the number one thing I was worried about after the second, like, inexplicable interception against Buffalo was I was like, oh, my God, is he going to bounce back? Because there's been games in the past when, with this team where he doesn't bounce back. And you're like, oh, this is why. This is why people don't like him. 
And he did not have that on his agenda in Buffalo. It was the inverse. In fact, he like, like just certifiably put it behind him and said, time, time to go win. Time to go get a couple miracles and go win the damn thing. Uh, Bryant, take us off air with your prediction, sir. I believe the score would be like 23-17. I feel like it would be like a decent game. Um, But I feel like, once again, we should find a way to, you know, pull this out, especially at home, being able to play in front of, you know, our fans and everything and be excited to be back. So I I think they'll be able to pull it out. Okay. Being able to play in front of Brian McKinney too, you got to yeah. take that. Yeah. In the <laughs> are you? Uh, you mentioned in our pre-game, <clears throat> our pre-show show. Uh, are you going to be signing autographs with fans, or is it like a closed session? I think it's somewhere in a suite. I mean, I mean, they were giving me a little bit of details, asked me like to host the suite and sign some autographs. Okay, so maybe like a suite, like maybe like a, a sponsor suite or something I like see. that. Okay. Um. So. Yeah, yeah, just tweet about it when you know, because I'm sure yeah. people want to stop by. Oh, okay. Brian McKinney will yeah, be in sure. the house. All right. We will yeah. be back on and hopefully at the tailgate so people can. <laughs> I'll be there too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just can't invite everybody. Oh, we'll I a, literally just that's said that's I'm worried uh, about it. We got, <laughs> we got seating capacity. No, at the I'm tailgate. kidding. People yeah. some, come by stop and say by. hi. I just don't have room for everyone <laughs> to warm up. That's <laughs> all. But feel free to stop by. <laughs> All right, we'll be back Monday night to talk about the 9-1 Vikings or the 8-2 Vikings, neither of which sound too bad. All right, guys, no, take doesn't. it easy. Skull. I'll text you. All right. All right. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.